0: Welcome to your new favorite podcast, Omelas, with your host Aryaman Varma. Here, Aryaman chats with religious leaders, economists, and modern philosophers to help shine a light on the dark corners of economics and religion. So, without any further ado, let's kick off this episode.
1: Hello, everybody. In this episode of Omelas, we will uncover the practicality of Christianity in everyday life and the role of the Bible in achieving this. Helping us understand this, I present a theology fr- professor who has greatly influenced my thinking in a good way, might I add, at Eton College, who is also the conduct of the school, Reverend Stephen Gray. Just before we get started with the questions, would you like to tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Hello
0: everyone. Um, yes, my name's uh, Stephen Gray and um, I'm senior chaplain at Eton and um, have uh, the joy of teaching as well, philosophy and divinity, and um, it's lovely to be with you. Thank you. Great. Now, what should the role of the Bible be in a Christian's life? The role, the role of the Bible, I think, is, is meant to be a very practical one and affect the way our lives are led um, morally um, to a very sort of positive end. Um, it's also, I think, a, a, can be a very theoretical book sort of theology as well, which is um, hugely advantageous to knowing more about God and our relationships, um, our duties of service, and of course, as made reference to the moral code that we should live, how we should live, um, particularly in community and treat other people. So I think there's there's both a a theoretical, theological side, but also um, a very practical and uh, spiritual purpose to it.
1: Right, so you mentioned the theoretical side and the practical side. Now, I was just going to ask you, how would someone distinguish between different texts in the Bible and which ones they should use practically and metaphorically?
0: Um, that's a really good question. And, uh, you know, the whole area of hermeneutics is a fascinating one, how we interpret and apply scripture. I think there's clear, like in, in sports, sort of phases of play in, in the in the literature piece as well. There's narrative clearly that is... Very practical, some historical, some poetry, um, and and it's really in those genres that we, we we really learn how to interpret it accurately, and of course right. there's, yeah there's, yeah texts like Jonah for instance that may be, more sort of a, a fictional, um legendary folk tale, um whereas perhaps there may be, others which we would believe literally happened. Sure,
1: and with regards to the bible is there any other way you could expand you know just studying it is there something else you could do with the bible which goes above reading it
0: yeah that's a um that's a really good question i mean i think it does fall into two categories of a very much a theological textbook or a very much a devotional book for living and for growing in one's own discipleship and and christian belief and faith Um, I think churches are very creative in developing ways in which the Bible can be studied in groups, for instance, group discussion. There's um, an Ignatian prayer where you put yourself in the narrative and, and picture yourself there and you're perhaps more, more of what you're feeling and experiencing. Um, I think those, those two avenues have been really fruitful.
1: Sure. And on a more personal note for you, um, what sort of works really well uh, when reading the Bible? Are you more interested in the theological side or in the practical side? I think the theological
0: side is always stimulating and, and you know, right. I think love God with all your heart as well, and your mind. And I think your mind is really engaging and is, is stimulated by learning new things and fresh dimensions about, um, about God and, and faith. So, yeah, I think a balance really, but certainly the devotion with one's mind is, is important as, you know, just having an experience.
1: Sure. Um, and within the Bible, of course, there's the New Testament and the Old Testament. What is the relationship, the similarities and differences between the two?
0: Yeah, the Old Testament, I think, is, is a great um, sort of picture of uh, the pilgrim people, the children of Israel, the Jewish, Jewish faith, really, um, taken through very chronologically. Um, and there are very much parts parts of it that we learn from, and um, the nature of God particularly. The New Testament, I guess, is sort of more extensively open to everyone, you know, to all Gentiles, and so it's a, it's more of a, uh, a universal kind of um, way of living. Um, uh, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, God's Old Agreement, God's New Agreement, um, there's a certain amount of theological sort of um, liberation of, of extension you know that uh, of Christ's sacrifice the atonement really sure. comes into play uh, significantly and then of course the growth of the, the early christian church right um, so
1: as again personally for you um, do you think you'd oblige more to the old testament or the new testament part of the bible
0: yeah i do oscillate actually i think um i think there's some richness uh, about the old testament and and some uncharted Chapters that you know really right. um, stick up and uh, are real nuggets, um, and I think it's fascinating. I think I'd, I don't know the Old Testament as well as the New, right. um, and we can get slightly bogged down with Pauline theology and the epistles, and it it's all very practical and sometimes quite judgmental stuff. Um, but yeah, the Gospels are always refreshing um, to read and to reread. But certainly there are Psalms, for instance, and Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. Uh, are very rich in material and, and very sort of inspiring for faith
1: sure and on that note um with the old testament with the situation of it obviously being a more ancient text um would it be more authentic in your opinion uh, than the new testament or less
0: yeah i mean the sources the source there is something about the ancient being more sort of credible in in a sense but um I think there's a, a uniform trust in scripture that they have, you know, all the the particular manuscripts and texts uh, in the canon. Uh, and so I think there's quite a lot of confidence in in that process. So uh, yeah, I, I've never really thought of that, but I think um, there are very many authors of, of the what well, the Divine Library, Jerome called it, uh, and so therefore it's quite sort of, um, it's it, you do judge it differently um or all these books um within within
1: the one um yeah sure it, um and what would it mean to well what yeah what would it mean to really trust or depend an extent on god what 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 does that mean in life in a practical sense
0: that's a really good question um i think faith comes with doubt a lot of the time and i think i don't think it's straightforward you know there's sure. bad news around the corner sometimes and you you sort of plummeted into well you know where's god in this and yeah. and um obviously the suffering in the world that we we try and reconcile sometimes with what's what's going on um and i think it's hard i think pilgrimage and faith is is difficult and it's not always obvious and i think that's why it's called faith because we can't really see and we can't prove but we we walk you know um by faith um yeah i don't i don't find it easy i wouldn't
1: say it was yeah. straightforward sure so you mentioned the fact that it's not obviously black and white um and that sort of ties in to the evidential uh, problem of evil but when you are in a you know hard situation or a difficult period how do you sort of persevere through it and keep your faith in god really intact yeah i think that the sp- Definitely, the spiritual application of prayer
0: really kicks in, and, and you've probably heard me say it's often when things aren't going well that we our prayer life is awakened, sure and when things are going rosy it's, it's less so but yeah. certainly, I think prayers and um, hoping and praying and being patient, which I'm not very good at but patience <laughs> is vital <laughs> in pilgrimage, but certainly I think um, yeah prayer is, is, is a key component to all that
1: and on the note of faith in God, is it, you know, is it challenging um, that obviously God doesn't reveal himself um, or does he answer your prayers? How do you really get a sense that God is listening to you?
0: Yeah, it's a really good question. These, you're asking some really good questions. I don't think um, God is always evident and, um, you know, there's certain silences and um, questions that you ask. and life's enigmas I think if it was all rosy and and easy then you know our characters would would be less um less deep and profound perhaps and we would have less contributions I think faith is is you know a gift but it's also um a discipline and um the answers that we might want and don't get are you know um it's not the end of the world but it's um yeah I think it does Help us become more rounded and um, uh, contributory as a result. And I know it's a cliche, all that. But it's, it, uh, um, yeah, it's not all not all easy. And I, you know, there are obviously people that have given up their faith. Um, yeah. You know, think of the army chaplain in the First World War, um, who who wrote a book. You know, um, dismissing God
1: and no longer believed because of all the um, horrors that he'd experienced. Sure. So you mentioned that when things are rosy, um, sort of the amount of prayer tends to decrease, and on that point, then would you say for most people, um, prayer to God is merely situational rather than permanent?
0: Yeah, I think um, within the church, people are more consistent with praying um in good times and in bad, and um, I I just as a kind of illustration, I think it it's it's harder. When when people have everything that they need um, they they're sort of why why pray why do we need um, to believe almost in God because everything's you know gone our way and we have everything that we need um, I think the church would would we you know demonstrate a, a consistent sort of practice of prayer throughout um, you know uh, but I think it really does kick in when when things like you know child bereavement or you know um, extreme poverty and where's my next meal coming from it's i mean the time i spent um in africa was the, the church were very much um uh, vigilant prayerfully uh, you know about every day whereas we perhaps in the west um you know don't take a day at a time we we plan and we forecast you know weeks and months in advance so yeah
1: you uh, mentioned visiting africa um which is quite interesting so do you mind just expanding a little bit about
0: that. Yeah, I was fortunate. Um, after university, I went out there for a year and worked in um, the townships in South Africa right. during apartheid. So it was um, quite a challenge. And, um, yeah, we I saw some, some terrible things, but also some wonderful things. Uh, and, of course, Mandela was released while I was out there. Right. So all there was some very exciting dismantling of apartheid. Politically, it was very, very exciting. And it did change me. Um, to see people with so little, you know, and but be but be so happy. They were very happy and content with the little that they had. So there was there was lots of lessons I learned, I think. Um, you know, quite quite extraordinary. So
1: you just at the very end touched on something quite interesting that despite only having a little, um, they were very happy. Mm. Um and, and in my opinion, in sort of the modern world, that is not really the most popular opinion mm. or the most popular consensus mm-hmm. so how do you think they dealt with their hardships uh, and were still happy you know with it
0: yeah I think there was just a simplicity of life it wasn't complicated and, and it was a while ago before social media right. although now I think you know many in, for instance in Rwanda all have a mobile phone and are, are very globally connected the um, the Africans there was very much where I was in the um, uh, Natal region where just I think simplicity living living humble lives um, in a context which potentially was very volatile with the violence right um, but yeah, I think they knew that life could be cheap, and you know um, there was a kind of not a not a counterfeit a false um fulfillment their lives were genuinely um rich and in, in in that way um poverty they had, but they were very wealthy in their hearts um, and right.
1: that, that, that particularly in the church is, was very obvious yeah. Sure, um, and you, you mentioned social media uh, which is extremely interesting increasingly popular um, so what do you think the impact of social media on Christianity for example has had a positive impact or a negative impact? Um, both I think definitely right. both, uh,
0: yeah I think it's it's been hugely influential, particularly in America. I think its usage is, is, is great um, clearly that you know, I think there's two sides to it to the yeah. coin um I, I do think though that meeting uh, the church being together physically is is a huge advantage um, I think the screens over uh, you know the pandemic the services online were good and they filled a filled a void and a, a cavity if you like but it but there was there's proof that you know just coming together in person as we have probably experienced here at Eton is so much more um, profitable so yeah I, th- I think that really
1: is the um, that, that is the advantage sure and you mentioned of course there is the obvious negative implications of social media with religion, but a more subtle one uh, might be perhaps on the availability of um, mm. a service online mm. and hence that could potentially reduce numbers in an actual church yes. which I think would obviously, being there in person would have yes. a greater impact than doing it online yes. so how, um, you know, how what, what do you think about it and how would you combat it?
0: Yeah I mean the survey recent statistics suggest um, that you know, Christianity uh, is now a minority group right. in, in the UK, I think there was cert- some feeling that many didn't go back to church mm-hmm. because of the Seeing a, experiencing a service in the comfort of their own homes, so I think that, that you know that's a real challenge for 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 the church t- today. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's 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 comments I could make, but I won't make <laughs> um, of of you know church growth and and so on. I think, I think the church um, has gone a slightly down the the worldly view. I heard a, a recent bishop say to me that. He um is very sort of disillusioned because appointments, key appointments, are made on the basis of management experience rather right. than priesthood. Right. So, you know, we're sort of entering this management sort of uh, um, pattern, which you know never never used to happen. Um, right. But with that management, I think it's bums on seats and you know paying the bills, which isn't really what the church is about. Um, sure. But maybe has been forced to to go down that route.
1: Sure, and expanding on the um, sort of lack of positions based on priesthood and moral management, do you think religion, you know, and more specifically Christianity as a whole is becoming increasingly political?
0: Yeah, I think there's um, quite a lot of political arrangements that have have been made um, to tick certain boxes, you know, appointments of, of key bishops and filling certain quotas um, which you know isn 't necessarily the, the right way to go about chief appointments um, and that's raised a lot of eyebrows in the in the church um, they're, they're inevitably i think um, they want to you know help out the the financial um, pressures that they're under too and right. um, yeah I think I, I appreciate that life must move on i don't know whether the church and of course the church is probably not very good at moving um, and it, there are you know key things that they've had to change, which is right. Right. Um, but um, yeah.
1: Yeah. So in some sense, it's you know, understandably, I guess, getting more economical, um, but an interesting question um, I was thinking about is, it's a very difficult question to answer. The question is, why do some people uh, have more difficult or you know just in general suffer more in their lives um than other people um. yeah that's a, a, a question that is is
0: really pertinent and um i think you know broadly you could you can answer it broadly um because of political governments making life hard for you know indigenous people sure political power and greed can really afflict um groups you've got a large amount that are affected by the climatical, you know, by the, by the very nature of where they live in certain right. places that are, you know, vulnerable for flooding or drought and extreme sort of climatical. Right. But then I think you know that there are individuals that you and I know who who have had a terrible time which you can't really explain, sure. politically or you know, geographically or climatically. Um, and there is no. There is no reason. Maybe some people might apply natural law, the survival of the fittest, where right. people's immunity or um, there is, you know, a genuine sort of inability to to cope. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's no
1: answer. Sure. So but you mentioned geographic, um, and you mentioned droughts, earthquakes, volcanoes, etc. So what is there a link? I mean. I'm going to talk about natural disasters here and um, the relationship to God. Mm. Um, so, like, how would you sort of explain that? Um, you know, and still support the faith in God completely.
0: Yeah, the 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 what we're tackling a lot at the moment in in class is the omn omniscient the omnipotence and omnibenevolence argument, the inconsistent triad of the nature of God. If he's all powerful, why didn't why doesn't he intervene? Um, I don't. It's 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 really to, easy to come out with cliches. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, yeah, I think um, C. S. Lewis, uh, you know, argues well on, on the you know the problem of pain and the Great Divorce, how um, you know if we have this wonderful thing called free will, but in many, in many sort of uh, leaders of the world, or not just leaders, we make bad decisions and. Right. Decisions that just seek to benefit self, um, but then, it doesn't necessarily work that way for people that aren't, you know, franchised with the, the you know, the ability to make decisions. Right. Um, yeah. It's very very difficult. Um, I think the Beatitudes are very comforting, in in that sense, in that faith thing that you know, blessed are the poor, blessed are the merciful, blessed right. are. I sure. think those are a huge pastoral comfort, and I think Moltman. Jürgen Moltmann, the professor at Tubingen, seeks to ask, to to offer a pastoral response to suffering um, post the, the Holocaust and that, um, you know, Christ can identify with those that suffer because he himself suffered and asked that rhetorical question, my God, my God, why, you know, while right. on the cross. So that doesn't explain suffering, but I think it helps pastorally to give an answer to all those post-German in, in the Second World War who felt guilty not standing up to Hitler. Many of them were complicit with genocide and anti-Semitic and others were, um, you know, just
1: felt just
0: ruined by the war in
1: its, its very nature. Sure, so essentially sort of gives comfort um, to those mm. that aren't as fortunate, I guess. Mm. Um, but what would you sort of recommend or, or say uh, that a Christian should do um, in his or her free time? I, I think enjoy life, actually.
0: I think, you know, God's given so much on offer with, whether it's music or sport or, uh, you know, literature or creativity. Just go out and enjoy the world and um, enjoy people. I, I think the gift of travel is an immense blessing. Right. Uh, and to to see the other side of the story, cultures, places that you haven't been to. Um, to enrich, you know, one's own experience. I think the more you read, the more hmm. deep you become and the more able you are to, to relate and empathize with sure. people. And I think reading is a wonderful gift. I don't do enough
1: of it myself, but <laughs> um, that's certainly vital. Um, you mentioned traveling as a, some sort of blessing. Um, so would you recommend that Christians should try and see as much, you know, as many different countries as they possibly can um, to sort of experience, god's nature really
0: yeah i mean all the all the amazing sites obviously are inspiring and um but also the people i mean the people in uh wherever uh, particularly in poorer countries i i find there's a sort of a richness of that um, holy island i've never been to sorry the holy land for me um yeah i've never been to um israel and the i think um that would be inspiring and I, i'd I recommend well, I was due to going. Two thousand and two, but the violence uh, kicked off, and prevented me but um, that would always encourage people to to go. I,
1: I hope there might be an opportunity while i 'm still alive sure um, what would you say are the major differences um, between Christianity and the world 's other major religions I think there 's
0: a huge amount that Christianity has in common with other religions. I think it it um, deviates where uh, the life of Christ and his divinity and humanity and how that's interpreted and the, and the, the recognition of his, you know, divinity um, is really the the stumbling stumbling block, I guess, for, for other faiths to, to uh, recognise that. Um, but they all have moral integrity and, you know, certainly um, Different things to teach, you know, about prayer and pilgrimage and of, um, you know, a moral life of contribution to other people. I think they all sort of celebrate love. Love the Lord your or love love God with all your heart, uh, and your neighbour as yourself. I think they all have that, which is really sort of um, brings brings everything together. I think the controversy of Christ's life always has and always will be um, controversial. Recognising. That he was the son of God, and certainly in Islam, that's a, you know, a big
1: issue. Would you mind just explaining um, what Christianity's teachings are on the afterlife and uh, reincarnation, whether they believe in it or not?
0: Yes, I think um, certainly the hope of heaven is is very much um, rooted in Christ's resurrection, and I think I think the faith stands and falls really on that. You know, if if Christ hasn't been raised, then you know paul talks about it all being in vain and our our faith is void so i think easter the sort of easter narrative is is very big for um the christian faith in believing that after this life there is the hope of of eternal life and that's you know really celebrated so um and that probably sets sets it apart in 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 many respects we don't even know exactly what's on the other side i think we sort of look at things rather Dimly, uh, this side of heaven, but um, I think the eternal scale is, is you know very much uh, real. Um, but to what constitutes its et- uh, eternal life, um, we don't know. But it's a place you know um, where God 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 is, and um, you know that can only be a good thing.
1: Right, and how do sort of Christians uh, and you know, you, I mean personally, you uh, sort of go around your daily life knowing that there you know is in your opinion a heaven and hell um how does that influence your life
0: i think it centers you i think it it's um that you you know the the appreciation that there is more to to life than 70 or 80 if you know if you if you're blessed with that um and yeah i think it's all part and parcel of the christian narrative and tapestry which which you hold dear I mean, I don't really think about it a lot. I think it, it's, it's struck me recently with a number of family bereavements, you know, of they, who have had faith that there is this wonderful promise that you will see them again. And that's very uh, comforting and, you know, rewarding to know that. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it does play its
1: part in, in bereavement. Sure, and um, just to finish off, um does Christianity, I mean, as a Hindu, there's a strong belief in karma, uh, which is sort of the effect that good actions lead to mm. good consequences and bad actions lead to bad consequences. And sort of that can be related. So in Hinduism, it's more to do with re- reincarnation and your next life being better mm. um, if you behave well. And this one, uh, is it a sort of similar concept um, with regards to heaven and hell?
0: Yeah, I think the first part of that, I think that, that karma is very much... Um, indirectly taught in Christianity in the sense that what you sow you will reap, and that's a genuine verse. Um, And I think, you know, them that honor God, God will honor. And I think there's very much a, you know, whether it's nature's way, but what we, a a good act does follow with, you know, some kind of reward. And it's funny how it does work out that way. Um, Different though, I think, for reincarnation. Although, you know, I, I'm a bit hazy on this. I don't know quite how judgment works, and you know, but I think certainly, um, you know, there'll be people there that have lived such an honourable life, and right. you know, maybe not a religious life, but have mm. been hugely contributory. But they they will be honoured and rewarded. I'm sure. It's it's that seems to be the sort of um, the nature. Others would argue that unless they believe in Christ's atonement, there you know there is. No hope. I'm a bit more broad and sort of, uh, um, embracive of those who live, you know, godly lives, um, and perhaps without any faith at all. Um, so <laughs> I think we're in for a few surprises. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah.
1: of course. But just quickly, um, before we finish off, uh, you mentioned the fact that, you know, uh, believing in Christ is not actually necessary, in your opinion um to achieve or to go to heaven it's more important to live to live a um, righteous life um than to sort of fully uh devote or mention that you believe in Christ
0: yeah no i do i think i think it's very fundamental to believe in Christ i'm just right. for, um, my comment was i think um there may be a few shocks and surprises of you know i, I don't think that just believing in Christ is a ticket to heaven I right. think it's more than that it's you know forgiveness of sins peace of mind the gift of prayer and growing in the christian experience and and obviously the hope of heaven but i i think you know there may well be people that many assume will 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 not be in heaven that will be and um there's this lovely engraving of in in a church near to where i live in dorset um right. of judas Iscariot who betrayed jesus being sort of um ushered up to heaven with the angels with these coins the, the coins spilling from his pocket mm. which is completely what the uh, opposite to what anyone would have thought mm, you right, know? Yeah. um so you know it's a beautiful picture of many being invited and um which we perhaps not Thought would have access to.
1: Is it possible for uh, a non-Christian to get into heaven?
0: Yes, I do. I think I do. Um, I, I wouldn't want it to be completely restricted by a doctrinal um belief. I think um none of us really know how God judges. I think those that are um entertained faith and have that you know relationship with Christ and you know that's that's probably. A dead, are dead obvious. But I think there are people out there that do hidden acts of kindness and charity, and, and you know, and their reward will be um, uh, in the afterlife. I'm sure. Um, it's a really difficult one. I kind of don't think we really know the sort of depths of Christ's love and the scales of His justice. But um, you know, just to warrant, you know, to to limit it rather to to those that are in church, it may be very narrow. Um, so yes
1: right um, thank you very much for such an enriching uh, conversation and thank you to everyone for spending time with me today and for more information about the Omelas podcast please feel free to visit the website omelas.podbean.com where you can also ask questions and post reviews and comments thanks once again to everyone listening and a huge thank you to Reverend Stephen Gray whose wisdom is priceless
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Omelas podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.